Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. We could not resist. The Nobel Prizes in Physics are related to black holes. Mm. Chuck, yes. we're devoting this entire Cosmic Queries to black holes as manifested in the recently announced Nobel Prizes in Physics. And the cool thing about it is no one will ever be able to see or hear this video because it won't be able to escape our black hole. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. know that all of our shows are in black holes. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> no, let me just know this that. one. Just this one. <laughs> I know a little bit about black holes, but not as much as our guest, a recurring guest, Jana Levin. Jana, welcome back to Star Talk. Thank you. It's always good to be here. Wherever and, here and, and, is, wherever here is now. I know, but for you, you kind of look like you're in a safe house. I know. You, I, I sort of am. Yeah, are, are, is the, are you in an identity protection program or something? What do you do? I'm at Pioneer Works, which is, you know, a cultural center in Brooklyn where I'm director of sciences. But I tell you, if the apocalypse is happening, this is where I'm coming. We've got oh, all okay. the resources you need. Wait, wait, Chuck, did you hear that? <laughs> if the apocalypse is coming, that's where she'll be, and that's where she is now. Right, exactly. And you're, you're invited. Okay. <laughs> so wait, tell me what happens at Pioneer Works. So we, uh, this, this place really started as, as inspiration of Dustin Yellen and Gabriel Florence as an art center, but with a vision of just impacting culture and creative ways, really kind of breaking down boundaries, doing things in a new way. And, um, and, and when I came in, we started bringing sciences in here and we've been doing a lot of um, pretty incredible science events, not least interviewing Sir Roger Penrose last December. Oh my gosh. Oh so my you, God. That's so why he got the Nobel Prize. It. That's <laughs> right. why he got the Nobel because you interviewed him. <laughs> I just like said. rubbed my good karma on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, uh, so the, uh, I, I know two of the three Nobel Prize winners Maybe all three. So there's Roger Penrose, yeah. mm -hmm. a, a well-known uh, physicist from Oxford, I think, in, mm -hmm. um, yeah. in the UK. Um, we have, uh, who else was on that list? Andrea Gez. Uh, Andrea Gez. And mm -hmm. is she the, still in the University of California? Yeah, system? UCLA. UC, UCLA. Yeah. UCLA. So, mm -hmm. And we had um, Gensler. Reinhard Gensel, yeah. Reinhard Gensel. And yeah. so these are, so they all split the Nobel Prize, all for their work in black holes. So if you can just give us sort of the, 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 the short version of each of theirs contribution to our understanding of black holes. Well, technically, Roger got half the prize. And really? Andrea and Reinhardt split the other half. So now, and when you say got half the prize, are we talking half about the money. cold hard half cash? Half the money. Half the money. Wow. <laughs> the, they, each get, they each get it. They don't get a half a medal. Right. They all, each they get, all the same get a medal. But when they say half, they mean half the money. Yeah, well, okay. you can, let me tell you something. You can keep your stinking medal. <laughs> I want you half the money. I want that check. So <laughs> right. it is, it's a super interesting prize because that's happened before that where they've divided the prize unequally amongst the three participants. And you can never have more than three 
winners of the Nobel Prize. Um, so it is. Uh, it, it, it does reflect the fact that Andrea and Reinhardt, their work is observational, and they are they're both responsible independently for um, understanding supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. So that's why they shared in the prize because they they both contributed to that particular aspect of the award. Roger Penrose was just off on his own in like 1964. <laughs> He's and been off on forever. He's been doing right. he's on his own thing. Yeah. Right. So that was all Roger. And he um, is very theoretical. So I'd say one of the most surprising things about this award was that people as theoretical as Roger Penrose, for example, Stephen Hawking, don't usually get awarded the Nobel Prize. And um, and so this was considered, I think a lot of people were, were kind of chilled and delighted to see Sir Roger um, honored in this way. But it could be that the trend is not so much that they don't give it to theorists, but if they're going to give it to theorists, mm-hmm. at, in the same breath, they're going to give it to the experimentalist mm-hmm. who verified what the theorist said. Is that yes. a fair way to characterize it? That is this? a fair way to characterize it. Um, but there's still a long stretch between like Roger's theory and the observations. Mm. So if you want to talk about Roger's... Well, as, as, wait, as yeah. was true with the Higgs boson. Mm. That's right. That's so they right. gave it to to Peter Higgs. Higgs himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, but he'd come up with that decades ago. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the fresh discovery of the Higgs boson was recent, in recent news. But they stapled yeah. them together and then they yeah. give him the award. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Higgs, Higgs's prediction was so very specific, though. He literally predicted there would be this one particle, it would be roughly around this mass, and it would have these particular properties. I mean, it is a pretty spot-on prediction, whereas Roger just sort of was dreaming big dreams. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, not to put Higgs down in any way, but, you know, there was a less specificity. And even when Einstein got the Nobel Prize, he got it for very specific things. He did not get the Nobel Prize for general relativity, mm-hmm. which was right. clearly his greatest achievement. He yeah. got it for more specific statements and more specific, specific predictions. So maybe the Nobel Committee is coming along. Yeah, maybe it's coming along. But yeah. um, but Roger did do something tremendous, which was to make generic the prediction that black holes would be the end state of the collapse of a star. And uh, he was able to show that essentially singularities, which we thought were this may be an artifact of very special circumstances and wouldn't really happen if you thought more generally about things. He was able to prove that, in fact, it was a generic prediction of general relativity that a collapsing star would create behind it an event horizon and interior would create a singularity, essentially. Wow. So it's right after Einstein first thinks of general relativity that Schwarzschild writes to him from the Russian front and discovers this thing that we now call a black hole. But it's Russian very, front in the First World War. In the First World War. It's 1916, and he's on the Russian front, and he's saying, you know, you, the, world, the, war, the war has treated me kindly enough, and I've been able to wander through the land of your ideas. And so here he solves this problem, and it's very idealized. It's a complete sphere. It's perfectly collapsed. He doesn't ask how or why. He just idealizes the situation, and he comes up with this thing that we now call a black hole. And so for decades after that, people thought, well, that's just a silly idealized situation. It's not wrong. It's correct mathematically, but that'll never happen in nature. What Roger Penrose does in 1964 is he uses the most ingenious methods in a paper about three pages long. In the final paragraph of this incredibly clear, lucid, simple paper, he proves that, in fact, it is absolutely generic prediction of general relativity that a collapsing body would create behind it an event horizon and inside a singularity. So he makes black holes inevitable. He made them real. He made them real. He made them real. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they go from this mathematical, perfect, silly, platonic idealization to an inevitable reality. So and on, now on the other side of that uh, Nobel Prize coin, we have two mm-hmm. people, independent researchers, who are figuring out that our galaxy has a supermassive black hole in the middle. But of course, you can't see black holes. So what mm-hmm. light can you shed on, <laughs> on their discoveries? Ah, I see, see what you did there. You see what I did there? I Was see that what good? you did there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you punster. You punster. Mm-hmm. So they, did, they, they demonstrated the opposite characteristics as, as, as powerful scientists slow and methodical. (laughs) They looked at these stars for decades, right? Two decades. And they watched these stars orbit 
um, an invisible object. And just, they don't even need to... At the center of the galaxy. At the center of the galaxy. It's 26,000 light years away in the direction of the constellation Sagittarius. So we call the object that they orbit Sag A star, Sagittarius A star, because only because it's in that direction from our point of view. It's a cute little nickname. So around Sag A star, they see some stars orbiting and they can follow their entire orbits. Takes them, one of them takes about 16, 17 years. Um, that, that's kind of the one that uh, was most helpful to them. Well, just to be clear, normally when we think of things orbiting other things, we think of planets orbiting stars. Yeah. Now you're talking about stars orbiting other things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now you have a bunch of stars in the center of the galaxy, a bunch that are orbiting this thing. Now you can't see this thing. It's definitely dark and it's very massive. And contrary, I think, to sort of the popular imagination about black holes, black holes aren't huge. The whole point of black holes is that they're tiny. So for how heavy they are, they're tiny. So this object, they just look at the orbit and deduce, wow, that thing is 4 million times the mass of the sun but it's fitting in a region much smaller than the solar system. Not 4 million times the size of the sun, right? If you calculate how big you think it should be, it's about 17 times the width of the sun across, but 4 million million times times the mass. That's That's crazy. 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 So they they go, look, it's really heavy. It's really small. It's a supermassive black hole. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it. And by the way, this is our second or third hour, the astrophysics community, mm-hmm. our second or third Nobel Prize in a decade. Generally, they used to yeah. throw us a bone once at Wait, every 10 years. I, are you saying that you guys are the Meryl Streep of the Nobel Prize? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying. Oh, we no. <laughs> Black holes are. Well, the, the, the prize is in the category of physics, just to be clear. So right. we in my community, we're not living our lives wondering if we'll be considered. Occasionally, mm-hmm. we yeah. do something that touches on laws of physics, and, mm-hmm. and then it gets, and, and people take a note. So we, ju- we just got it for exoplanets, which is not itself That's a right. new branch of, of physics, but it's a very mm-hmm. interesting uh, advance in our understanding of the world mm-hmm. and uh, or the universe. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, maybe the, the we're done with laboratories on Earth, and the best laboratories on the frontier of discovery are the universe itself. Well, it's it's fascinating because Hubble lobbied for astrophysics to be considered by the physics Nobel Prize. Oh, wait, Prize. Hubble the man. Edwin Hubble, the man. <laughs> not the not telescope. The, the yeah. telescope, right, is not live. Right? The telescope <laughs> It's not made, lobbying. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it remains inanimate. Yeah. Yes, it remains. It's still, it's still to this day not <laughs> alive. Right. Okay. But Hubble, really, you know, so what did Hubble do that was so tremendous? Today, Hubble absolutely, un, unquestionably would have won the Nobel Prize. So what did Hubble two, do? Two Nobel Prize. Two, right. So for one. In the same decade, yes. Yeah, he realizes that there are other galaxies. You have to realize when Einstein was working in 1905 and 1950 and 1916, he did not know that there was another galaxy besides the Milky Way. He suspected, but he wasn't sure, right? So Hubble observes the first external galaxies. But just to be clear, at that time, the universe was just the stars of the night sky. Yeah. And how far do they extend? Nobody knows. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then the second thing, which I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Neil's referring to, is he then also notices that, oh, by the way, all those galaxies are moving away from each other. Right. And, and so he deduces that the universe is expanding. So, right. cool. so, he, so he lobbied, so he, Jenny, he lobbied the Nobel Committee, and then what they say? I guess they said no. Like, well, yeah, I don't know if there were like formal letters exchanged, uh-huh. but there was certainly political, you know, there was internal politics. And they said no for one month, like 1920s, they said no for another 50 years. I don't think it was until the 70s that the Nobel Prize Committee considered astrophysics. Yeah, I think the first one was maybe the discovery of pulsars. Yeah. And that was the 1970s on a discovery made in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, actually, we got to take a break now. But Chuck, did you load up questions? Because this is a I, Cosmic Queries. I got them all loaded up and ready to go. And there are pages of them. People, people love black holes. <laughs> all right. When we come back more with our friend Jen Eleven to get us through an understanding of black holes on Star Talk. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add 
taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block Tax Pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. back star talk cosmic queries black hole edition actually chuck we've had other black hole editions of cosmic queries but this yes. time black holes done one upped and won nobel prizes in fact it's not the first time black holes have won nobel prizes and last time we did that we had to bring in jan 11 to explain what the hell was going on and we're doing that again today in this week second segment of cosmic <laughs> queries jana always great to have you back in the loop thank you so much i always love being here which, one of the times we brought you in was because of the LIGO discovery of colliding black holes. Right. And yeah. they got a Nobel Prize. Okay? Yeah. So black holes, that, so the Nobel Committee is liking them some, no, some, some black holes lately. Yeah, definitely. I think there's probably another one in the near future. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't know, jinx anything. Don't jinx them, but don't keep us in suspense either. <laughs> well... I think we should talk about LIGO, but I think Event Horizon Telescope, which took that image of the black hole at the center of M87, which is a galaxy 55 million light years away, um, and they imaged as close to the event horizon as is essentially conceivable, given right. the realities of where right. the resolution was there. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's, for it's taking possible. that photo, the photo mm -hmm. of a black hole. Okay. Conceivable. Right. So even so, it's interesting if you look at the Nobel Prize announcement for this prize. 
They say about Roger Penrose for his contribution to understanding black holes, and they explicitly say that, but for Angiogaz and Genzel, when they're talking about the supermassive black hole, they don't name it. They say for their discoveries of a compact object at the center of oh. the galaxy. <laughs> what? They won't call it a black hole. They won't call it a black hole. Oh. Yo, let me just say, that's racist. That's <laughs> Chuck. Yo, that's some racist stuff I've ever heard. All right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you are That crazy. ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> if anything has a tinge of it, Chuck is all up in it. He's going to be he's going to fall on out. Okay, thank you, Chuck, for calling out the racist ways of the Nobel Prize well, Committee. Well, the interesting reason why I suspect they did that is because, so they're looking at these orbits of these stars, right, around this dark object that we know is really heavy and really small, and by rights we should call a black hole. But it only com- it doesn't come near the event horizon doesn't come all the way close. So it, I think the closest approach of the star is about a few times as close as Neptune comes to the sun. Um, and that's very, very close when you're talking about an object uh, four million times the mass of the sun. But if it's only 17 times as wide, it's not that close. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Gotcha. Right. Whereas a Van Horizon telescope is seeing stuff like right on it. Okay, so Chuck, if they gave it to the Event Horizon Telescope and still didn't call it a black hole, then you'll have right. a good argument. Then, then, I got a, then I got a case, right? You got then a case. We'll take case. that to the Supreme Court. Yeah, we got Court. a case. We're going to take that. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, one thing about the Event Horizon Telescope image. Uh, first of all, a zillion people participated in that, so they probably have to give the Nobel Prize organizationally, That's uh, really I, I would interesting. bet. That's really interesting. Yeah, question. Yeah, yeah so it's, a, it's a reminder that today, consortia... Yeah make discoveries more so than individuals. Yeah. For LIGO, they gave it to three individuals. And well, because they were at it long, but they've been, they were at right. it long before LIGO was even LIGO. Exactly. They were at yeah. it for, for, for 30, 40 years right, right. before other people joined. And so that was different. But some people also argue that it should be given a Nobel Peace Prize because here you have an international consortium that transcends, you know, all these nationalities, all of these political boards, all of these languages, all of these cultural differences and come together and then give the work freely, then the work is free. They don't even mm-hmm. monetize it. Right, um, right. So that's an interesting argument. It's a form of peace. That's exactly right. So, and so a form of peace that scientists have known ever since mm-hmm. the beginning mm-hmm. as collaborations take us international. Yeah. Uh, I, I, a quick Event Horizon photo story. Mm-hmm. So I used the Event Horizon photo uh, for a tweet. Can I, can I tell you what that tweet was? It was, okay. <laughs> so scientists, colon, mm-hmm. we've imaged a black hole in a galaxy, in the nucleus of a galaxy 55 uh, million light years away. That's scientific. Mm-hmm. Public, ooh, <laughs> ah. <Right>. Scientists, <laughs> uh, humans are causing global warming. Public, I don't, that doesn't agree with my philosophy. I agree with that. <laughs> Excellent. How did That's that go down? How did I, I that just, go I, down? I, uh, it was, you know, people... It's it's social media, so it goes every, every which way. But every yeah. which way, it can. but the irony wasn't lost on most people. So it's funny. Uh, That's brilliant. That's a brilliant tweet. Yeah. And, so uh, so and, Chuck, so give it to me. All right, let's get to it. Okay. So uh, actually, we're going to start with a uh, Patreon uh, question from uh, my son because I actually am on Patreon, so he gets to ask. Uh, which is, uh, can black holes tell us anything about? the age of nearby stars or stars that are orbiting them. Interesting. Am I trying it or are you trying it, Neil? I'll try, and if I miss anything, you yeah, jump in. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of dimensions to the answer. Well, so a, a black hole as the endpoint of a star, of, of a dead star, that star didn't live very long. You know, maybe half a million years, tops. So if you see a black hole, if it's freshly made, then the thing that made the black hole itself was not all that old. Half a million is not long in the history of the universe. Not, not at all. So black holes are the product of very high-mass stars that have very short lives. And, but once you make the black hole, it's there, right? So you'd have to have seen the black hole get made to then know how young it is. But if the black hole is just hanging out, um, I don't know that you can know how old it is just by observing. I, I, now, now... We know there's an upper limit to how massive a black hole can get as the endpoint of 
a dying star. But if you find a black hole that's much more massive than that, then stuff happened after that. Or some other phenomenon went on that would have kept accumulating, kept eating. And as it eats, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I don't know that you can know precisely the age of a black hole, but you can get a sense of how long a black hole has been, been in town. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say even more so, one of the big mysteries about the supermassive black holes that were acknowledged, although not by name, mm -hmm. in this year's Nobel Prize was that they're so big, and we definitely know those do not form as the end state of stellar collapse. Something had to happen to make that thing so big. So either it formed in the early universe, and this is something that's really odd. The bigger the black hole, the less dense the material you need to make it. It's very surprising. So you can make a really big black hole out of the density of air under the right conditions, which really surprises people. But if you make it from a star, it's got to be incredibly dense. So it could be that it was made in the early universe and not from stars at all. Or it could be that it started as a smaller black hole and then went through a bunch of collisions and, and got bigger and collected other black holes and just amassed and amassed and amassed until it was a supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. And that requires a lot of time and a lot of collisions. Yeah. And just to, just to round this out, currently none of us in, a, in my field doubt the likelihood that every single large galaxy has a supermassive black hole in its core. Um, initially, it was hypothesized, and then we had some early Hubble data, and then some other data, and then it was like, you know, this looks pretty um, endemic to what mm -hmm. it is to be a galaxy at all. And if you have colliding galaxies that merge, uh, you'd expect the black holes to ultimately merge in the middle. So I got you on that one. But also, yeah. um, it's still, I don't know, I'm not the, I haven't seen the latest in this, but when I last looked, there was still some uncertainty about whether the black hole nucleated the formation of a galaxy— or whether the galaxy had mechanisms that funneled material to the center sure. to then make the galaxy. Because even if you have a billion solar mass black hole, which some galaxies do in their center, that is a tiny, it's less than one-tenth of one percent of the mass of the whole galaxy. Mm -hmm. So as ferocious as that sounds, the total galaxy wins if you want to, if you're on a balance. Absolutely. Scale. So you might have thought. You know, oh, even if it's true that all of these galaxies have these supermassive black holes, they're such a small percentage in terms of the mass, they're probably not influential on the galaxy. Who cares? Right. But it actually turns out that's not the case because they can blow these gigantic winds. They could have been very active in their early history and been like quasars. They could have sculpted right. the entire galaxy. They could have regulated the size, the shape, the number of like the, of stars that form. So they, they might actually have incredible agency despite their smaller fraction in terms of mass. And it, and, and it, and is that because in the formation of the black hole that it is spewing out materials in order for it to become what it becomes? Yeah, it, in the yeah, in the early days it was reeking, it was blowing out these jets, you know, and it was just it was like imagine these winds. There are there are black holes whose jets are so strong that they're puncturing neighboring galaxies and basically wiping out any planetary life in those galaxies. Right. So they have. They have. You're just getting into a fight. That's all. You, you, you're not understanding the dynamics of this. So the Nobel for exoplanets is in a fight for the Nobel over the But the point hole. is, you only get to see all this if the if there's material in the vicinity of a black hole for it to do that to. If a black hole completely ate everything in its vicinity, then all there's these mechanisms shut off. Then it's right. nothing to see. Right. Wow. Mm, right. God, that's so cool. All right. All right. Well. Keep it coming, Chuck. There we go. This is Liam Pendergrass, also from uh, Patreon. What opportunities for future research uh, into black holes are created as a result of this particular prize being awarded? So is there, is there anything new that came out of this that may spur uh, further discovery? Well, let me lead something here, and then I'm going to hand off to Jana. Because the Nobel Prize is essentially always delayed from the discovery itself, it's not clear whether the prize itself is stimulating more research because the original research already did that, right? So the original search was already in, we already knew it was important. We already, and the, the best kind of prize is the one that, that affirms what you already knew. And in this case, this, we are, like Janice said, we knew Roger Penrose was brilliant. We knew he had influential papers. We knew the, the, the supermassive black holes in the centers of galaxies. That's a long-standing project. 
So that did trigger other interesting projects. Let's look at other galaxies to see if they have um, supermassive black holes with the next most pow powerful telescope. But Janet, do you think the act of getting a prize itself changes any of that landscape? Um, gosh, I, 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 I think I'm with you. I don't think the act of getting the prize does. I think it might affect generations that are just on the rise. Like, you know, your son, Chuck, asked a question inspired because we were talking about the Nobel Prize. And who knows, maybe that's going to affect your son's interest ultimately in science. I mean, for the scientists who are practicing now, I would say no, not so much. But, but it does have that effect, I think, for the younger generation. Excellent um, point, because it's, it's black holes are in the news now for a whole other reason. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that you're, there's a celebration with a big fat check. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in America, money talks. That's what it is. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, that's for his research club. Black holes are his, uh, are his focus. So uh, I'm going to ask you to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, kids love we're gonna, black holes. We're I don't care. We're totally cheating. Screw the so mother kids. Screw the mother kids. I'll be like, my son has Neil deGrasse Tyson and Jan Eleven. I don't give a damn. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. Sorry. <laughs> That's how the cookies crumble. <laughs> That's how the cookies crumble. What can we say? Totally. Wait, wait. So, but it, make I, an interesting point, Jana, that if it's another reason to talk about something in the context mm -hmm. of it having been a celebrated result mm -hmm. rather than just a highly respected result, that definitely adds a societal force on this. I, I, I agree with you there entirely. And it's interesting that a lot of these Nobel Prizes are connected. So for instance, the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy also has littler black holes orbiting it. And, and they did form from the end state of gravitational collapse. Now, littler might be 30, 60 times the mass of the sun. And so LIGO, which is the experiment that you mentioned earlier, Neil, that got the Nobel Prize, what was it, to 2016, 2017? Um, 2017, they're detecting the collision of two black holes that are more around 50, 60 times the mass of the sun each. And they might be doing that near a supermassive black hole. And so these are all connected discoveries. And, um, and so some of the ones that, that LIGO is beginning to and I don't want to say observe, but really listen to, because LIGO doesn't take pictures. LIGO listens to the resonance of space around these like orbiting mallets. We're starting to think that maybe those in fact really are coming from galactic centers. So, um, so there could be 20,000, 40,000 black holes around the center of our own galaxy that are just smaller ones. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's pretty. Well, well, all I can say to that is, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> black holes coming in. Ah, and the gathering they're gonna becoming destroy, bigger. <laughs> they're going to destroy your neighborhood. I'm letting you know this. And they get Bobby's together. Black holes and they get bigger. Coming in. And they're getting bigger. So, Chuck, we just blew that whole segment on your son's question. I just want to. Oh, well. Totally worth it. Okay, so when we come back, we're picking up Star Talk Cosmic Queries with Jan 11. We're talking about black holes. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential, and through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Chuck Nice with me always. Always a pleasure. And and you're tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. Thank you. Yes, I am, sir. And we're Thank talking you. black holes today, so of course that means Jan Eleven is in the house. Yes. And, and Jana, you're tweeting at what? Jan Eleven. At Jan Eleven. And it's a Jana with two N's. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I like an extra consonant, you know, just in case I lose one, <laughs> in case one drops off. Jan 11 has three N's in it, just to let the record show. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what is it, 40% of the letters in your name? <laughs> uh, so this is Cosmic Queries. So, Chuck, keep, keep coming at us with these questions. All right, I'm staying with This one is from your wife now, right? You're the whole family. <laughs> okay. All that, right, go. That'll be a fun. So this one is from Grandma uh, Eugenio Barno. This is Eugenio Barrera. Says, hey, Chuck, Neil, Jana, how are you? After years of following you guys on YouTube, I finally pulled the trigger on being a Patreon, and I'm glad I did because now I get my question read. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and he says, uh, I was wondering if black holes have the gravitational pull to affect light, does it also alter its speed? Mm. So it bends light. Does it slow it down when it bends it? So interesting. Interesting question. Neil, what do you think? Going to try this one? I would just say no. Okay, next question. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a really subtle example that I think illustrates how bizarre it is. Okay, yeah. Go for it, So because the event horizon is, by definition, the place at which light cannot escape, you could ask, well, what happens to light at the event horizon then if it can't escape? And so you could just drop a little beam of light, a little bundle of light, and uh, let's call it a photon, and it would sit there at the event horizon. It would not move. It's actually a completely state, not stable, unstable, but a place where it can be. However, you can't sit there and not move. So if you're falling across the black hole event horizon and you fall past that little piece of light, you go, oh, it's moving at the speed of light. (laughs) But uh, nobody can say it's not because nobody could stay there with it because you'd have to be traveling at the speed of light to stay there with it. So when you fall into the event horizon, Jana in Wonderland. Jana in Wonderland. Not Alice in Wonderland. It's Jana in Wonderland. (laughs) That is... That is a rabbit black hole if I ever heard one, Keep going, one, keep man. going, Janet, keep going. Well, the other way to think about it is it's like a salmon swimming up, up the Niagara, like swimming upstream, and the waterfall of space-time is just falling in so rapidly that it effectively stands still. But right. nobody can stand still with it. Everybody else is gone with the waterfall. Right, so everyone right, else, right. if they try to measure the speed of light, it's like, oh, yeah, it's traveling at the speed of light. It's nearly 300,000 kilometers a second. Nobody says it's standing still. But technically, it's sitting right there at the event horizon. That's but it's still trying so, to get out. It's still it's trying, trying to get out. It's trying like hell to get out. Okay. But it, oh, that trying is so like freaky. like hell to get out. Yeah, that's freaky. So now, so what, what's the observation outside of the black hole? What are we seeing? Is you, it just sitting there? You just there? never see that photon because it never gets to you. When you say, what do I see? The only way you see something is if the light hits your eye. Right, so, so but you can't do there, it because it's stuck there. So you don't. See oh, it. oh my God! That, so it's dark. So the yes, horizon is dark. It's a black hole. That's crazy. Wait, yes. wait, and, and another, just to just to add another point there. Right, you wow. will only see that photon if that photon enters your eye. Right, so mm-hmm. therefore you have no idea it's even there. This was my issue with the with Star Trek. Right, they have these <laughs> phasers that uh, no the the. Um, Phasers, right? When it shoots lasers at another ship, 
Okay. Yeah. The those, are, yeah. Space. Those, are, those are phasers. Yeah. And, so, then, and then they have photon torpedoes. They have photon torpedoes. So yeah. they're sending this in a direction towards the ship, but the, the camera view is from the side. So, uh -huh, but you see this like you see it. But it's, no, no, it's right. sending this energy to the ship. There's no way right. you would see that laser going to the ship. Right. There's just no way, yeah. unless wow. it's sending light in your direction. But that that right. wouldn't be an efficient weapon. Or so I, like I you issues. make, yeah, or you make like a gas cloud and it scatters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can <laughs> like, make like a fog chamber. You no, no, no. You, you, you a fog you, machine. You hit the, the the chalkboard erasers together and you make <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck, give me some more. All and right. We, we okay. now know Jana is a cousin of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Fiz. Fiz Shivi. Cool. We'll go with that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with it. I'm going with that. Uh, says, what did Roger Penrose do that wasn't already done by Einstein? and Schwarzschild before. A mm -hmm. little bit of a hater here. A little mm -hmm. bit of a hater. So I think, yeah. Jenna, you, you hinted to some of that. Yeah. But why wasn't Einstein's solution or the Schwarzschild solution inevitable? What is the different thing that, that Penrose did to make it a natural end state? Mm -hmm. Well, so in the simplest terms, he was able to show that generically, without assuming any special properties, like something's a perfect sphere. It could have been a, an oblong, kidney-shaped eggplant thing, doesn't matter. If it collapses, he was able to prove it would inevitably form that event horizon, and within that event horizon, inevitably would be the singularity. And one way to think about this, which I think is really profound, is he was able to show that all paths of light, and this is technically one of the ways that he did it, point towards the singularity. Technically, what that means is that the singularity is in the future. We look at a black hole, we think of a spherical thing with a center point that's this point singularity in space. What Roger Penrose showed is the singularity is not in space, it's in the future, once you're inside that black hole. And so nobody who enters the black hole can do anything but plunge into that singularity. You can no more avoid the singularity than you can avoid the next moment in time. Okay, so, wow. That's, right. Like I said, that, Alice in Wonderland. There, there it is. That's what, like I said. Yeah, come on. You know, yeah. give me a second. I'm going to go pour myself a little vodka, and we're going to come back and talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we miss, we're, we're definitely missing some mind-altering forces. Wow. Oh, so, Jana. We're so, going to have our after-party Zoom link. Yeah. <laughs> wait, so, Jana, just to, to if, if I understand what you're saying, if all light beams go to the singularity, then all, all, all possible paths into your future as you fall in would go to that singularity because you that's can't right. take a path that's not any, the path any, that the light other. takes. That's right. right. So basically what it says is if I should, it, it basically says if you're going slower than the speed of light, you are definitely going into that singularity because the only way you could not go into that singularity is if you went faster than the speed of light and you can't do that. Okay. Right. So, so the technical language would be, just because it's sometimes poetic to hear it, it's not necessarily edifying, but it's poetic, is that he proved that all of the future light cones pointed towards the singularity. That's okay. wow. what he showed. There's yeah. one figure in this paper in 1964 where he draws it all out. I'm telling you, it's just the most beautiful. It's all compact. It's all right there in this one picture where he just shows that this absolutely is inevitable that the black hole singularity forms and that it is in the future of any, any path mm. on the interior of the black hole. Yeah. All right. All right, Chuck, keep it coming. Okay. All right. Uh, this is Izzy Rohr. says, hi, Neil, Chuck, Janet, it's Violetta, my mom, Izzy. I'm 12 years old from Birmingham, Alabama, and I love all things astrophysical. Uh, Professor Gez says that the data collected, which ultimately proved the existence of Sagittarius A, are consistent with Einstein's general theory of relativity, while absolutely 100% not consistent with Newton's law of gravity. And even then, she said that Einstein is right, at least for now. My questions are, how can something, a major thing like this in the cosmos, abide by general relativity and yet not follow one of the most basic and fundamental laws of physics? 
Does this mean we will need to discover a new law of gravity? And does this mean general relativity needs to be upgraded or expanded upon? P.S. Jana, you are the first woman astrophysicist I ever saw in an episode of Star Talk a few years back, and you have inspired me so much ever since. Thank you for rocking science so hard for girls and kids like me oh. all over the no. cosmos. Go, Jana! Thank you. Go, Jana! Thank you. And, 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 and by the way, none of, none of that question impressed me like the way the question began, because she knew that the word data is plural. Plural. <laughs> these data show. Yeah. These data are. Yeah. So if you know that, you're 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 yeah. ready for any kind That's of scientific career. <laughs> um. Well, I was so flattered and flushed that I forgot the question. Oh, but I think I got it. I think I got it. It's actually. Um, I think it's if if it violates Newton's laws, how is that possible? If Newton's laws apply across the universe, right. but it right. satisfies Einstein's laws, what's yeah. going on? So so I, I liken it this way: just because Newton's laws aren't all-encompassing doesn't mean the laws are, like, wrong. They're not dead wrong. And I sometimes, I sometimes try to explain it this way. If, uh, if, if you thought English was the only language in the universe, and then you discovered there was this broader concept called language, right. why wouldn't make English wrong, right? English is right. useful. It just has a limited range of validity. It doesn't help you with French, or, you know, Arabic or whatever other language. It turns out that there are extensions that's a much bigger umbrella, which is this concept of language, right? So to a certain extent, in its limited range of, of validity, Newtonian physics is great, works terrific. It just doesn't work everywhere all the time. It's just not, it's not big enough. It's not that it's wrong. It's just, it's just a subset of a larger concept. So the first thing that Einstein did when he was trying to um, test his own theory was exactly to make sure he, he matched, he respected Newton, that he respected Newtonian dynamics in its range of validity, which would be when you're not moving very quickly, when you're around big things like the earth, when you're moving slowly, like it should look like Newton said it should. So, um, so it's not as though when I drop an apple, it no longer does what I used to think it does just because of general relativity. So just right. so so what you're also saying there is that um, if you take Einstein's equations and put in low gravity and low speeds, mm -hmm. they become Newton's equations. That's right. They become very close approximations to Newton's equations. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So exactly. they're still in the same sandbox. Or, or, yeah. or the sandbox is bigger now. Yeah. yeah. The sandbox just got I mean, Newton never considered, well, what happens if I crush the earth to a point? <laughs> <laughs> or what happened if I was going near this beat of light? Yeah, they're stupid. <laughs> and those were exactly the kind of thoughts, experiments, the kind of fantasies that led Einstein to realize that, oh, Newtonian mechanics would slowly look different than we presume it is. And we would start to learn that there are generalizations that start to look very different in certain extreme circumstances. All right, Chuck, we only have like a couple of minutes left. Give me, see if we can squeeze two in here. And, and Janet, soundbite answers. Okay, go. Okay. Chuck. All right, here we go. Cameron Bishop says, singularities or ringularities? I just got to know what we know about the geometry at the center of a black hole. Yeah, what's Thanks. a ringularity, Jana? Oh, in um, a spinning black, hole, spinning black hole, it turns out that the singularity has a different geometry than it does in what Schwarzschild considered, which was just kind of a perfect implosion. Um, but I think that... Is, is it a donut? I, and wouldn't, wouldn't most black holes then be spinning black holes? Yes, most black holes are spinning black holes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when things collapse, just like a, an ice skater pulling in her arms, they tend to spin faster and faster. Um, so we do believe that black holes are likely spinning. Um, but, but most, to be honest, most astrophysicists and, and theoretical physicists believe that the singularity is, is where general relativity will break down, kind of connected to your previous question. We believe that there's another theory that will make us understand that singularities actually don't exist. And that they're signaling, they're telling us, this isn't working anymore. <laughs> Like, this is breaking down. As has been said, the singularities where God is dividing by zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, that's a no-no. No, seriously, you're now going to have a cult. Like, <laughs> why do you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's going to be in QAnon. I mean, <laughs> QAnon. <laughs> I love you all. 
Come to where God divides by zero. On November 3rd. <laughs> no, yeah, God so is funny. dividing by zero. <laughs> All right, another one, quick, check, give it to me. All right, very quickly, this is Sam Axe. Uh, Sam says this, if you were to throw some antimatter into a black hole, would that shrink it or make it bigger? So a lot of people have a misconception that antimatter has negative energy or negative mass, but it doesn't. There's really not to, to our knowledge anything with negative mass. So if you have an electron, its antiparticle has opposite every other quantum number. For instance, if the electron's negatively charged, the positron's positively charged, but they both have the same mass. So mass and energy is what matters when it goes into a black hole. You might change the charge of the black hole, but you're just going to make its mass go up. I it's going to get heavier. Okay. So, yeah. So antimatter is not some panacea for, for undoing the universe and the damage that gravity has done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- guys, I think we got to call it quits there. We're out of time. Man. Damn. Man. Oh, man. That was awesome. Always so good. It's always so good with Jana I, Levin. <laughs> Jana, I have. I miss you guys. I hear rumors that you're working on another book. I just, I'm, this is rumors. I'm just saying. I am. Just rumors. But okay, when the book comes out, can we bring it back? Yeah. Black Hole Survival Guide. Oh, we need that. Well, we got to bring you back for that. (laughs) Yeah. Can we bring you back? I'd love that. Okay, we'll talk about your book. And and we'll bring it back soon. I think your book is coming out uh, even just in a few weeks. Yeah. So, all right, Chuck, always good to have you. Always a pleasure. Janet, we love you here at Star Talk, and thanks for always love accepting our invitations. All right. Always. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the Black Hole Nobel Prize edition, of course, with Jan 11. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Keep working. are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.